The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Is there a continuing education code? Yes, ma'am. Hey, let's do that. The opening code for this session is 23951. Once again, your opening code is 23951. And there will be a closing code. Thank you. Okay, uh, I want to welcome everybody to Diabetics in Action presentation titled Demystifying uh, Medicare. Um, I'm Patricia Pat Maddox, and along with uh, Larry Gassman, um, co-chair of the Diabetics in Action uh, uh, Convention Planning Committee. Um, today's talk is on Medicare, which you uh, may find very, very confusing, and it's really a daunting experience to try and choose the right Medicare plan for yourself or perhaps for a family member or a loved one. And so today we have with us Eric Nelson, who's going to help us to understand Medicare a bit more and um, help us to think about the things that we need to to choose the right plan for ourselves. Um, so without further ado, let me turn it over to Eric Nelson. He's Clinical and Broker Relations Manager for Medicare Help Now here in Vancouver, Washington. Good afternoon, everyone. I appreciate your time today. And uh, hopefully, yeah, this is just a starting point. Uh, as uh, Patricia mentioned there, Medicare is confusing. Uh, and uh, so what we do is help people uh, look at their options and review uh, the strategy that's individualized for them because everyone's strategy is different. Uh, the general topics that we'll cover today apply, uh, but uh, your individual strategy may differ because uh, your medical needs, uh, your doctor access, uh, your need for certain benefits or interests uh, may be different than uh, someone else, even a spouse. So uh, that's something that we help you do. Uh, we're independent brokers. We don't represent every single plan in every area across the country, but we have clients across the country. And so we are here uh, to uh, help advise you. And there's never a cost for what we do. You shouldn't have to pay for uh, Medicare advice. That's one of our firm beliefs is that uh, everything should be uh, free and you should have access to good advice. That's always a foundational principle. Uh, so we'll give you that contact information at the end and we'll kind of go through the basics of Medicare and uh, leave time for questions at the end, as well as going over uh, some of those uh, questions you may have concerning uh, insulin and diabetic coverage uh, through Medicare and the rest. So uh, if you want to uh, write down a question or have a question, uh, you may find that it's covered in the information through the process. And if not, uh, if you want to have that uh, towards the end, we're going to leave plenty of time to answer those general questions. I would ask that questions uh, be general and not specific in nature to you uh, for medical reasons through HIPAA and the rest. We want to keep those uh, questions more applicable to everyone in general, but uh, we'll give plenty of time for that at the end. So appreciate your time today. And with that, let's uh, discuss uh, Medicare. As we've already talked about, there's three things you should probably know about Medicare. We've mentioned one of them. Uh, it isn't simple. 
Medicare benefits are offered directly through the government or through private insurance companies. And there's a lot of different things you have to consider uh, before choosing your coverage. Uh, Second of all, Medicare doesn't cover everything. Uh, It was never uh, intended to cover all medical expenses. So there are some uh, gaps and some uh, things that are your out-of-pocket responsibility, uh, especially if you have original Medicare uh, and don't have some additional options, which we'll talk about uh, in the presentation. So it it doesn't cover everything. It was meant as a safety net, certainly better than paying the full cash price for everything, but there are costs that are going to be yours to bear uh, if you uh, especially just have a original Medicare. And we'll talk about what is original Medicare in a second. Second of all, it isn't free. Uh, While most people don't pay a premium uh, for Part A, there are other costs that you do uh, need to be aware of. So taking a look at uh, Medicare in general, what is Medicare? Medicare is the nation's largest insurance uh, covering over 65 million people uh, at this point. And to be eligible for Medicare, uh, who are the three main groups? Uh, Those are the folks that are over age 65, uh, of course, everyone's aware of that, or those who are under age 65 and have had a long-term social security defined disability for at least 24 months or longer. Uh, On that 25th month of defined disability, uh, you will be automatically enrolled in Medicare. Uh, You may have other qualifying medical conditions such as ALS or in-stage renal disease. That's the third group who may qualify for Medicare prior to age 65. So those are the three main groups and it covers millions of people. So there uh, is definitely uh, opportunity to find a solution that's going to be a good fit for you. So let's begin with the original Medicare. It's offered directly through the government and consists of two parts. Part A, your hospital insurance, and Part B, your medical insurance. What is uh, Medicare Part A, your hospital insurance? It's going to help cover inpatient care at a hospital uh, or skilled nursing facility, plus uh, home health and hospice care. Uh, What doesn't it cover? Uh, Before Part A kicks in, you're going to have to meet your deductible. So unlike a a traditional health plan, uh, which has an annual deductible, original Medicare Part A has a deductible uh, that can reset through the year based on uh, your hospital use. That's your benefit period. So uh, your share of Part A costs for this year, a benefit period, which is 60 days, is a $1,600 deductible. What does that mean? It means that when you go to the hospital under original Medicare uh, Part A, you're going to have a $1,600 deductible if you just have original Medicare uh, to meet, whether that's a one-night stay or up to 60 nights in the hospital. Now, if you have a break uh, in care uh, for 60 days, you're going to uh, have a new benefit period start. So that deductible could apply multiple times potentially through the year, depending on your medical need. Now, keep in mind the average length of stay uh, for a hospital visit is one to two nights on average nationally. Uh, So hopefully those long-term hospital stays are not going to be applying in your case, but that is something that you need to be aware of. Now, if you stayed longer than that, there are uh, per day co-pays of $400 uh, for days 61 through 90. But hopefully for the most part, because of those national uh, averages, you're looking at one to two to a week or less. uh, And that's going to be that $1,600 deductible. Now, 
Part B, your medical insurance, uh, that's going to cover doctor's visits, clinical lab services, outpatient services, and preventive care. Uh, that's the things it's going to help cover. What doesn't it cover? Well, you're going to have to meet uh, your annual deductible before Part B kicks in, uh, as well as uh, your share of the cost for services. So unlike a, a traditional health plan where you typically have an annual out-of-pocket limit, original Medicare Part B has no annual limit on your out-of-pocket costs. Your share of Part B costs in 2023 are going to be a $226 deductible and then 20% of the Medicare approved amount for those covered services. So uh, what it's going to cost uh, typically is that monthly premium, uh, which is a base premium based on income and increases on a sliding scale depending on your income. And we can review that briefly uh, towards the end of the presentation where those cutoffs might be for most people uh, under certain income limits. You're going to pay that base premium for Part B in 2023, that starts at 164.90 per person. Keep in mind, Medicare is always individualized. Uh, you don't have uh, family or spousal coverage. It's always just you. So whenever we're talking about costs, this is applying to you as an individual. So uh, there is an income uh, limit where above that, you begin to pay more. That's that sliding scale. But for most people, the base premium applies, and that's going to be 164.90 for 2023. Here's Shortly uh, in October, around the first part of October, we'll find out what the 2024 uh, premium is going to be. It actually went down a few dollars uh, from 2022. This year uh, it used to be 170. Now it's down to 164.90. Uh, so uh, while medical costs typically go up, it actually went down a little bit this last year. So. Original Medicare often isn't enough, though. So keep in mind what I mentioned earlier, uh, some of the potential costs with original Medicare, even a one-day stay in the hospital, that's that $1,600 Part A uh, deductible that you have to pay. Uh, if you stay longer or if you have a, uh, a long-term stay in skilled nursing and transition home from the hospital, uh, that could begin to add up. Part B covered services, remember that 20% Medicare rate, uh, certainly less than you would pay uh, cash price just walking in off the street with no coverage at all. But whatever's covered under Part B, Medicare is going to pay 80% of that the remaining 20%, that difference is your out-of-pocket responsibility under original Medicare A and B, and there's no limit to that. So uh, that can certainly begin to add up. Uh, so after you've paid that de deductible, which for this year is that $226 Part B deductible, that 20% coinsurance for what's covered under Medicare, even at that reduced rate, 20% of that reduced rate, because there's no limit, could certainly begin to add up. So, And here's an important part. Uh, people are often not aware that there are some services original Medicare doesn't cover at all. Uh, prescription drugs, those have to be done separately through a Part D plan, which we'll talk about in a minute. Hearing aids, routine vision care, uh, routine dental care, uh, extended long-term care. That's one that people are often not aware uh, is not part of original Medicare. Medicare is not going to cover long-term care needs. So that's something to uh, plan for separately uh, on your own. But the dental and vision is something that uh, certainly is catching people uh, off guard. So 
what are your Medicare options? Uh, because original Medicare doesn't cover everything, uh, you can purchase additional coverage from private insurance companies, uh, a variety of national companies uh, that come to mind. Uh, you know, you can think of those uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, United Healthcare, Humana, all those national companies uh, have different options to help you with those Medicare costs in a variety of ways. And those options uh, include uh, advantage plans through Part C. Remember, we have Medicare Part A, hospital, Part B, medical, outside of the hospital setting. And now we're introducing Part C, that third part of Medicare advantage plans, and then Part D. So A, B, C, and D. D makes it a little bit easy. Uh, it worked out nicely that Part D is your drug coverage. So think of that uh, Part D, uh, the alliteration there makes it nice uh, that uh, prescription coverage is covered under Part D. Uh, now, you can also have supplement or Medigap plans. So what are the two ways to get additional coverage? Remember those costs that we've talked about, that 20% coinsurance, the uh, deductible if you make a hospital stay under Part A? Well, you can combine uh, Medicare gap plans, those supplement plans that are issued by an insurance company to fill in those gaps left after Medicare pays their portion that are your out-of-pocket responsibility, and then couple that with a drug plan, a standalone Part D drug plan. That's one avenue. Uh, another is going through that Advantage plan. Uh, so let's talk about the, those Advantage plans. You can choose to replace original Medicare uh, with an Advantage plan, that Part C, and it's going to be approved by Medicare and available through those private insurance companies uh, that we mentioned. You can think of uh, local companies as well as national companies that uh, are available in your area. And again, uh, as we talked about at the beginning, that's some of what we do, and you should be able to find that from any independent broker uh, who represents local plans. Uh, we're across the country. Uh, we we started in the Northwest, but there's going to be uh, similar brokers available to you both locally and uh, certainly we're available, but we want to make sure that you're aware of that option that uh, there's going to be someone uh, that can get you that information on what's available in your area because plans differ uh, based on your residence. So county of residence makes a big difference on uh, what plans may be available. Population size in a county, uh, larger population areas uh, may have a lot of options and right next door because of that zip code being in a different county someone may not have options uh, at all we have a, a situation like that here uh, close to Vancouver Washington where uh, there's 70 plus plans currently this year and in the county uh, that splits a zip code uh, next to one of our uh, largest uh, counties on the east side there is a county that has no advantage plans except for one. So a uh, big difference depending on where you live. And that's why you want to make sure that you've got the coverage that's going to fit your individual strategy. So uh, advantage plans combine part A and part B coverage into one plan. So you get all your hospital and medical benefits from one source. Uh, they're either uh, HMO plans or preferred provider organization plans. So different types of networks within those advantage plans. But uh, that's where instead of the doctor uh, or hospital facility, wherever you're going, billing the government, they're dealing with the insurance company as that middleman. Now, you're not losing any benefits going this way. Uh, Medicare Advantage plans include 
include all the benefits of original Medicare. And uh, for the most part, most plans are going to include that Part D drug coverage as well. Uh, many Advantage plans are going to feature low or maybe no deductibles, no medical deductibles. That's often the case. Perhaps even no uh, prescription deductibles, depending on the plan. Uh, so like a traditional health plan, a Medicare Advantage plan is going to have uh, an annual out-of-pocket uh, limit on it. So that medical cost, uh, because you don't know what's going to happen in the future, uh, is limited through the maximum out-of-pocket. So as you pay for things, uh, as you use them in the plan, uh, a copay, uh, a cost to see a doctor or a specialist or a hospital stay, that cost is going to be capped because of that copay. It's limited right there. And then as those copays add up over the course of the year, if things go uh, unexpectedly uh, high in medical costs, you always have that maximum out-of-pocket to limit your uh, exposure to medical costs. And after that's reached, uh, then you won't have any additional costs for the remainder of that year, regardless of what those medical expenses are. So remember, most medical uh, Medicare Advantage plans do include prescription drug coverage. So uh, premiums are going to vary by the plan. Uh, and to be eligible to be in an Advantage plan, you have to be enrolled in Medicare Part A and B, that original uh, Medicare. And if there is a monthly premium for the plan, you would pay that as well. So you may have to pay a copay or coinsurance for some services, but uh, you can typically uh, save money by using a provider in the plans network. Now those HMO and PPO plan networks are going to vary uh, and they're going to have uh, differences. The HMO plans are going to require that you have a primary care physician, which is not a problem. Most people want to coordinate their care through a primary care physician uh, anyway. And within that HMO plan, you would need to have a primary care physician referral to see a specialist. And you'd always want to get care within that HMO network. The preferred provider organization plan, on the other hand, that PPO uh, Advantage Network plan uh, is going to have more options for you being able to see someone out of network uh, as long as they accept Medicare. You can see someone in network at that lower cost because they've agreed to those network rates, uh, but you can see someone out of network, unlike that HMO. Uh, you can do that on the PPO plan and you can go see them typically at a higher cost. So always best to see someone in network if possible, uh, but the PPO gives you the flexibility to see someone out of network uh, as well. And it does not require that you have a primary care physician because you can see a specialist uh, without a referral. Individual doctors may require uh, that you uh, have a referral to see them because they're busy or their patient panel is uh, almost always full. But in general, that PPO plan does not require the uh, primary care physician referral to see a specialist. So that's A and B, original Medicare, Part C, those Advantage plans, uh, and then Part D, your prescription coverage. Let's talk about that fourth part of Medicare Part D, your drug coverage. So Part D covers uh, prescription drug costs, as we mentioned, and you can either pair that uh, with a uh, uh, original Medicare uh, and a Medigap or supplement plan, which we'll talk about in just a second, uh, or you can have that bundled into your Advantage plan uh, and where it's going to include Part D coverage. So Benefits are going to vary by plan. Uh, each plan has a covered drug list uh, known as a formulary uh, with its own rules and costs. And uh, the breakdown is four different phases of coverage. Uh, in phase one, 
that's where you have that deductible. If it applies, oftentimes uh, you may not have a deductible uh, in your specific plan, uh, depending on what level your medications are. Uh, medications are typically broken up into five different levels. Uh, those more expensive meds, those branded drugs are tier three, four, and five, and generics, uh, which are common uh, medications, are typically tier one and two. So if you have those less expensive medications, you may not have a deductible apply uh, for your specific plan. And again, that's part of uh, going through and tailoring coverage to make sure that you've got the right fit. That's what we want to do. I always start personally with clients to find medication coverage first because you may or may not see the doctor uh, every single month, but you are typically going to have those medication costs going throughout the year. And that can be a big driver of cost as you're well aware of. So making sure that you've got that coverage uh, and then going through and finding uh, based on the plans that cover your medications, which ones have your doctors in network and looking at those HMO versus PPO uh, network types and which one's going to be a good fit for you uh, is kind of where I start personally to make sure that you've got that coverage when we're looking at an advantage plan. But back to drug coverage, phase one, the deductible, you're going to pay the full cost of your prescriptions until your deductible is met. If it applies in your case, hopefully uh, there's a plan that may not require that deductible. Uh, regardless, if you have one or if you've already met it, uh, then you're in that initial stage where you're paying the copay or coinsurance, a percentage of the cost of the drugs uh, that you're taking uh, until total prescription cost between what you're paying with that copay and the plan is paying that true retail cost, the split there reaches $4,660 for this year. Uh, at that point, uh, you're going to move into that next stage, the gap phase or donut hole, you may have heard it uh, referred to. And that's where after your total medication costs uh, have reached $4,660, you're going to move into the coverage gap where you're paying 25% of the cost uh, until your prescription spending reaches that next limit. This year, it's $7,400. So your portion of 25%, so costs go up in that coverage gap uh, because you're paying 25% of the costs. And when your portion uh, reaches $7,400, you move into the catastrophic stage. That's typically towards the latter part of the year, maybe moving through quicker because you have more medications or you have one or two more expensive medications. And that's where you're going to pay less and the plan's going to pay the most. And that's uh, because your cost is going to drop down to 5% uh, of what uh, the medication cost is or a fixed copay uh, for generic uh, or a slightly larger fixed copay for brand name drugs. But 5%, uh, so 25% and then dropping down to 5% after you've reached certain limits. Now those limits, uh, are going to change on an annual basis. Uh, and remember, this cycle starts January 1st and goes through December 31st. Uh, so you're going to have to uh, meet those deductibles and go through this whole cycle again. Now, uh, keep in mind that there are changes on the horizon. The Inflation Reduction Act uh, that was passed has some implications for uh, Medicare Part D coverage. We're hoping uh, to see some of that beginning in 2025 uh, and 26. Uh, the full impact of all of that is going to happen where there uh, may be a reduction or elimination of some of these stages, as well as a uh, maximum 
on Medicare drug spending, at which point after that, uh, you would uh, have all medication coverage uh, paid for. But we'll wait and see how that eventually rules out uh, and see what those actual numbers are going to be. Uh, but there is something like that coming on the horizon because this uh, system right now is very confusing. Uh, and so uh, it's definitely one that uh, is a big expense and we wanna make sure that you uh, get on the right plan at the right time. So. Keep in mind, there's a Part D penalty. If you don't choose Medicare Part D uh, when you're first eligible for Medicare and you don't have another creditable drug coverage, maybe through an employer, uh, you're going to be uh, seeing the possibility of a permanent penalty for every month you could have enrolled uh, but didn't. So uh, it's obviously something not only with the cost of medications, uh, but the potential for a penalty if you don't have some other creditable coverage when you're first eligible, uh, that when you join later, that penalty is small. It's 1% for each month you were eligible and didn't have a plan uh, or didn't have some other creditable coverage in place. Uh, but the penalty is assessed on a monthly basis for as long as you're on Medicare. So for the rest of your life uh, while you're on Medicare, and that, uh, while it's small, can certainly begin to add up, especially on a fixed income. So that's something we want to do, uh, and you should always be aware of is making sure you avoid those penalties if at all possible. So now we've talked about Part A and B, Part C, the Advantage Plans, Part D, the Drug Coverage. Uh, let's move into that Medigap or supplement plans. Remember, if you have original Medicare, we talked about insurance policies that would address uh, some of those leftover costs. Uh, Medicare supplement plans help close those gaps in original Medicare uh, by covering some of those costs that original Medicare doesn't, like your co-pays or co-insurance or the deductible that we mentioned if there if you go to the hospital. Uh, there aren't any networks uh, like you have when it's an Advantage plan. You have the freedom to choose providers. Uh, they just need to accept uh, Medicare. They need to be willing to accept Medicare as the payer. So what do they cover? Well, the benefits are going to vary by plan, and you have a range of plans uh, to choose from. Supplement plans are standardized in their coverage uh, by the government. And to make things more confusing, I apologize, but that's what it is. Lots of letters, right? Uh, they're going to be identified by individual letters A through N. So you've got the four parts of Medicare, A, B, C, and D. Now, Put that aside and Medigap plans are standardized in their coverage across the country. What do you get and what kind of coverage do you get with the specific plan? But the coverages vary and they're each assigned a letter for the plan uh, and the coverage uh, that they have. And those are A through N. So don't get those two uh, confused. Uh, maybe uh, you had parents uh, or you've got a relative or a spouse or someone uh, who is eligible for Medicare before January of 2020. Uh, maybe they were on that plan F. Uh, and that's uh, one of the most comprehensive plans uh, that uh, is going to cover those out-of-pocket costs uh, left over after Medicare pays. Uh, if you're eligible for Medicare after 2020, January of 2020, uh, your most comprehensive plan is a plan G. Uh, and the difference between those two would be the G plan requires that you still pay the annual deductible. 
Uh, but because you're doing that, the monthly premiums, the cost for the plan uh, is typically less than even that most comprehensive plan F. And so lots of clients uh, are, are on that uh, G plan. But that's where it gets confusing because those plans are standardized. So where you buy the plan, uh, where you're living, uh, what state and the rules there for how they're pricing those plans? Because remember, the coverage is standardized. A F plan or a G plan covers the same thing regardless of where you buy it in the country, uh, but it's going to cost differently depending on the age that you buy it uh, and where you're buying it. Uh, now, those costs can also adjust on an annual basis, so be aware of that. Uh, so that's a possibility too, depending on the plan that you have. So monthly premiums, like I mentioned, are going to vary depending on the plan and the insurance company. Uh, so premiums are usually higher than those for Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, and But the difference is because you have that higher monthly cost. Remember, that's the limit of what you're going to pay because it's going to fill in those out-of-pocket costs uh, after Medicare has paid each portion. So uh, the Advantage plans have a lower monthly cost, uh, but those uh, mean that you participate in the uh, expenses as you go through the year. Maybe a small copay for a doctor's visit or an outpatient procedure or something like that, but the benefits are you're getting those additional things that original Medicare doesn't cover uh, bundled into those Advantage plans. Uh, they can have that uh, dental, uh, routine dental, routine hearing and vision, uh, as well as gym membership, a variety of other things that original Medicare, remember we said back at the beginning, doesn't cover. Advantage plans can uh, and often do cover uh, those things. So that's uh, one of the things that we kind of weigh in the balance between looking at a situation, what's going to be a good fit going with that Medigap plan or supplement, which plan is going to be the right fit there, A through N, the drug coverage, matching those up, or is an Advantage plan a better fit for you and getting those extra benefits and that lower monthly cost, but participating uh, through the copay uh, in those costs throughout the year. So that's, uh, that's a lot of information right there. Uh, when are you eligible? Uh, like we mentioned at the beginning, uh, let's take a second and uh, find out when are you going to be eligible. You're eligible at age 65 uh, and your initial enrollment period is surrounding your 65th birthday. The three months prior to your 65th birthday month, the month of your 65th birthday and the three months after. So that seven-month window, uh, three months before your birthday month to three months after. So, And that's where you're going to want to consider enrolling in Medicare unless you have uh, some other coverage which would allow you to delay enrolling in that. And that's typically the most common example is going to be through that employer coverage. If you're still working uh, as an active employee covered on an employer's plan because of that work, not a retiree plan, but actively working, you can continue doing that for as long as you like. Uh, and you have an eight-month period of time after that coverage ends to enroll in Part B without worrying about a late enrollment penalty. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't want to have a big gap in coverage after that employer coverage ends. So there are ways to uh, time that up so that as soon as your employer coverage ends, your Medicare enrollment in Part A and B can begin. Uh, and then you can look at those options that we've discussed, like Medigap and a drug plan or an Advantage plan. 
getting those timed up and making sure that you avoid those late enrollment penalties uh, is something that we like to do to make sure that uh, you're going to have that coverage that fits your individual situation. So again, like I mentioned, unless you have creditable drug coverage from an employer that's part of that coverage too, uh, that's where not only that Part B late enrollment penalty becomes a factor, but that drug late enrollment penalty penalty becomes possible. So you want to have creditable drug coverage, meaning it's equal to Medicare uh, covered plans uh, or better. So uh, if you're under uh, 65 and disabled, remember, as I mentioned earlier, you'll automatically be enrolled in Part A and B after your first 24 months uh, of receiving disability benefits from uh, the Social Security Administration. So, uh, And if you are considering uh, a Medigap plan, there's a period of time where you want to do that right after you enroll in Medicare Part B. You get a guaranteed issue period, meaning you can't be declined based on medical uh, history uh, for a period of six months after your Part B benefits begin, whether that's uh, surrounding your 65th birthday or if you're working past age 65 uh, and then choosing to uh, have that group coverage in place and enrolling in Medicare later once that group coverage ends, uh, you have that period of time after Part B uh, begins where Despite uh, medical condition, you're not going to be uh, having that Medigap policy canceled due to uh, underwriting. So uh, that's something to keep in mind. Everyone under uh, Medicare has the opportunity every year to evaluate uh, their plans and what's going to be a good fit during the annual enrollment period. That's October 15th through December 7th. That's our busiest time of year because we're helping uh, folks uh, look at their plans review their options uh, and see what's going to be a good fit. Is the Advantage plan that they're currently on the right one? Uh, should they move to a new one because of medical uh, changes, maybe a need for a new uh, or different doctor, uh, or maybe just access to different benefits? Uh, the Advantage plans are going to change on an annual basis. You'll get a letter from your Advantage plan showing you what's going to be uh, different in the upcoming calendar year. Uh, if you like the plan that you're on and it still meets your needs, and you see uh, that notice of change letter and everything looks good for the upcoming year, you don't have to do anything when you're on an Advantage plan. Uh, you can continue with that into the new year. Same is true with the Medigap plan. You don't have to make changes, but your opportunity uh, to do that with those Advantage plans uh, or if you want to return to original Medicare and look at a Medigap plan, that's your opportunity to do it during the annual enrollment period, October 15th through December 7th. Open enrollment, uh, just following that, is the first a year, and that's the first quarter. Uh, this period applies only if you're enrolled in an Advantage plan. So if you're on an Advantage plan at the beginning of the year, you can switch from your current Advantage plan to another uh, Advantage plan with or without drug coverage or back to original Medicare, and that's January, February, and March. You get a one-time change there. So it's a, another opportunity, flexibility built into the system uh, where if something goes on or maybe you've made a change during annual enrollment and you're having second thoughts or you uh, need something different because of those medical situation or benefits access, you have another opportunity if you're starting out the year on an Advantage plan to make a one-time switch. Keep in mind, there's special enrollment opportunities once you're on Medicare throughout the year. Certain events may qualify you uh, to change your Medicare coverage, like uh, leaving your 
service area, your planned service area, uh, or changes to your financial eligibility, extra help for uh, prescription drug coverage, uh, a variety of Medicare savings plans. We're in partnership with the states. Uh, there are uh, coverages where if you qualify based on income, uh, you may have some additional help or uh, coverage of many of the costs of Medicare. So Timing on your uh, special election opportunity or enrollment period uh, depends on your circumstances. That's where it's useful to contact an independent advisor uh, to get some help. And if you think you might qualify, you can always uh, have somebody that you can call uh, to get that information because it's better to find out early and be able to adjust, of course, than to find out later uh, and wish uh, that you'd had some uh, something in place and taking advantage of something because that time frame's already passed. So uh, keep in mind uh, one important point, uh, creditable prescription drug coverage. Uh, if you are working past age 65, remember I mentioned uh, that you want to be actively working. Retiree plans don't cover you against a late enrollment penalty for Part B. Uh, it's only active work. You can continue to work as long as you'd like, uh, but uh, you do need to be actively working and covered on that employer plan because of that work. So uh, your employer drug coverage must be at least as good as what Part D coverage provides. Uh, and if the employer's coverage isn't credible, you should enroll uh, in a Part D plan during that initial opportunity you have to be in Medicare surrounding age 65 uh, or one of these other situations to avoid that Part D late enrollment penalty. Uh, and uh, you also uh, need to get at least either Part A or B to get that Part D plan. So with that, uh, we'll take a second here and I wanna make sure that we've got some additional uh, coverage uh, included because I know the audience uh, is interested. Uh, Medicare Part B, uh, we're talking about diabetic coverage now. Uh, Medicare Part B uh, covers insulin if you use an insulin pump that's covered under Part B's durable medical uh, equipment benefit. Remember Part B, things done outside that inpatient hospital setting, that's going to cover durable medical equipment. Uh, and that's going to be where you get things covered uh, like uh, continuous glucose monitors, uh, that Dexcom G7 or the uh, uh, the others that are out there. There's a lot of popular glucose monitors. If your doctor determines uh, that you meet all the coverage requirements, uh, Medicare covers continuous glucose monitors and related supplies uh, for making those diabetic treatment decisions. Uh, the requirements uh, include a couple of things. Uh, frequently uh, checking your blood sugar four times or more a day and either using an insulin pump uh, or getting three or more insulin injections uh, per day. So, uh, and if it also includes uh, routine in-person in visits uh, with a physician, uh, that may be another indicator. But glucose monitors, those continuous monitors, uh, are uh, going to be covered. So, uh, that's something that's a, a big difference. Uh, the supplies are going to be covered as well. In general, uh, Medicare uh, Part D uh, is going to cover uh, those Medicare insulins that are covered on the plan's formulary. Costs for a one-month supply of Part D covered insulins are going to be capped. That cap is $35. Uh, and you don't have to pay a deductible 
for insulin. That's a big difference. You get a three-month supply of insulin, uh, and your costs are uh, still going to be no more than $35 for each uh, month of covered insulin. So uh, that means uh, works out to what is uh, $105 for a three-month supply of covered insulin. So uh, you're never going to pay more than that. Uh, if it's on that plan formulary, either that standalone Part D plan or that Advantage plan. So under Part D, that $35 cap applies to everyone who takes insulin, uh, even if you get extra help or that Part D subsidy. Uh, so if you have Part B and Medicare uh, a supplement or a Medigap that uh, helps pay some of that Part B uh, coinsurance, uh, your plan should cover that $35 cost uh, for the insulin as well. So if it's covered under Part B uh, under that uh, coverage, insulin-related supplies, thinking uh, needles, syringes, swabs, gauze, uh, you'll pay the full cost uh, under Part B uh, unless you have Part D coverage. And that's where you're going to get those things covered uh, under uh, Part D. So Part D covers the injectable insulins, uh, the disposable pumps, uh, medical supplies like those uh, that just mentioned, maybe syringes, gauze, swabs. Uh, you're going to have those uh, strips. Uh, you get a certain number of those. I believe it's 300 uh, strips uh, every month. Uh, those are going to be covered, especially uh, if you have that Advantage plan uh, or that Part D coverage. Those are typically covered under Part D. So a lot of great things uh, coming through, uh, especially uh, for uh, someone that's had uh, problems uh, monitoring that uh, insulin uh, level and through that uh, continuous glucose uh, monitor. So uh, that's great to have that uh, advantage uh, in some of these uh, new plans uh, and getting that coverage throughout the year. Uh, what other things are covered uh, if you have diabetes? Uh, Medicare Part B uh, covers uh, not only the related tests and services typically not covered, uh, but uh, it's going to cover eye exams. You can have an annual eye exam to check for diabetic retinopathy, uh, glaucoma. Yeah, if you're at high risk for glaucoma, uh, if you have diabetes uh, and you have a family history of glaucoma, or you're African-American, uh, you're 50 or older, or if you're Hispanic and 65 or older, you're also going to be uh, considered potentially uh, in danger of developing those conditions that can cause blindness. Uh, anyone who's at high risk, all four groups that are at high risk for glaucoma, get that test once every 12 months. You're also going to get foot exams. You can receive a foot exam uh, every six months if you have diabetic uh, peripheral neuropathy uh, and lose uh, sensation. Uh, the exam is covered uh, only if you haven't seen a foot care professional uh, for some other reason in between those visits. You can have shoes and inserts, therapeutic shoes or orthotic inserts uh, if you have diabetes and severe uh, diabetic foot disease. So, Getting those things covered uh, can be a big uh, expense. So it makes a big difference to have that kind of coverage. Uh, and then looking at timing that coverage and getting the right plan for you at the right time, the right fit uh, is so critically uh, important. Now, uh, I do want to briefly mention something. Uh, if you have an employer plan uh, and your employer is uh, under 20 
people on that plan, uh, you may want to consider enrolling in Medicare at age 65 rather than waiting uh, till uh, beyond 65. Now, that's something that we kind of factor in looking at uh, uh, your situation, your strategy as an advisor, and any advisor should do that uh, to make sure that you've got the ability to uh, get enrolled at the right time. Because if it's under 20 people, uh, Medicare may be assumed to cover first and that employer plan second. So if you're not enrolled, uh, you could be at risk for having to pay some things and uh, make uh, some costs out of pocket. They're going to be pretty substantial. So you want to coordinate that and make sure that uh, if you're on a plan under 20 people, that you uh, make sure that that plan is going to pay first. Oftentimes, Medicare is assumed uh, to pay first uh, and the employer plan would only pay second in that case. But if you got an employer plan larger than 20 people, that's large group coverage by Medicare definition. Uh, you're covered uh, and uh, you don't have to worry about who's going to pay first. The group plan is going to pay first, Medicare second. Uh, so you can certainly wait uh, and uh, enroll in Medicare later. Also, it's important to note health savings accounts. If you have a employer plan, a high deductible plan coupled with a health savings account, if you're enrolled in any part of Medicare, whether that's part A, premium free for most people because of work history, uh, and you enroll in that and you think, well, I'm fine. I can uh, wait to enroll in part B because I'm covered on that uh, group plan. Be aware that if you enroll in Medicare, uh, you are no longer eligible to contribute to that health savings account, that HSA. You still have the funds in there available to use uh, and to be able to pay for uh, covered medical expenses. However, uh, you can no longer contribute uh, to that uh, plan. So at that point too, if you contribute after that, when you're not eligible because you enrolled in Medicare, any part of it, A or B, uh, then the interest or the earnings on those contributions uh, could also be subject to a tax. We want to help you avoid uh, some unseen things like that. And after age 65, Part A is retroactive six months. I know it's layer upon layer of complexity, right? Uh, uh, part A becomes retroactive. So if you're past your 65th birthday and you enroll in Medicare Part A, which you can certainly do at any time because that typically is premium free, even if you're on group coverage, whatever you want to do that, it's going to go back six months for the start date, uh, effective retroactively, in other words, up to six months or your 65th birthday, uh, whichever is further back. So that means you could have been contributing to your health savings account unknowingly, enroll in Medicare and say, but I stopped. Well, during that time period, uh, you, because of that retroactive start, uh, you could have some uh, penalties because of that. So lots of uh, potential benefits as you can uh, begin to understand and at the same time some uh, real pitfalls to avoid uh, and some other things that uh, we want to make you aware of uh, and the complexity of all this but at the same time uh, some great opportunities for flexibility throughout the year with these different enrollment opportunities uh, and so uh, with that I want to kind of wrap that up with ways to uh, get uh, in touch with with us. And certainly we have the information that I forwarded on to uh, Patricia and I'll make available to the organization looking at the uh, different opportunities to avoid some of these pitfalls, some general reference pieces. Uh, I did mention to you earlier uh, that we would talk about uh, the cutoff for that income 
related uh, cost under Part B. And I just want to briefly mention that, and then I'll give you some contact information for us. Uh, if your income uh, is 194000 or less, you're going to be in that Part B base premium, and there's no additional surcharge for your drug coverage either. Now, keep in mind, that's your 2021 tax filing. It's always a two-year look back. Uh, so because within two years, everyone's assumed to have uh, been able to go through their extensions and filed their federal income taxes. Uh, so it's always a two-year look back. So 2023, two years back, if your 2021 tax filing, your adjusted gross income uh, was reported uh, as a joint filer and it's 194000 or less, uh, then you're just going to pay that base premium. Uh, individuals, it's 97000 or less for this year. Uh, if you're married filing separately, same thing, 97000 uh, or less back in 2021. Uh, of course, as of the new year, once we get to 2024, that two-year look back will be basing uh, your Part B premium on your 2022 uh, adjusted gross income uh, reported there on your federal tax filing. And the numbers uh, will slightly be different. Uh, they change each year. But uh, hopefully that uh, is at least a starting point, and I'll uh, provide that cost of Medicare. Uh, it's a general piece, but makes it easy for you to find uh, to uh, Patricia and the organization so that you've got access uh, to that without having to try to dig uh, through the Medicare or Social Security website to find that. But with that, I want to let you know, how can you get in touch with us? Now, there are uh, great individual uh, brokers and advisors uh, all across the country. Uh, and so uh, we uh, certainly want you to, if you need to see someone in person, obviously, uh, we can't see everybody in person. Uh, we're more than happy to do that if you happen to be local uh, to the uh, northwest here in the southwest Washington area. Uh, but obviously, that's not practical for everyone. But we're across the country and have clients across the country. We want to help. And that's what we enjoy doing. Uh, and you can always reach us uh, at this uh, website. It's medicarehelpnow.com and then uh, slash MME for Medicare Made Easy, MME dash meetings. So medicarehelpnow, all one word, dot com and then slash MME dash meetings. And that's a landing page that will give you the opportunity to get some additional information on Medicare, uh, be able to uh, find out some uh, general pieces uh, like uh, we've made available to uh, ACB, as well as uh, set up an individual appointment, an individual consultation. Uh, you can set up and find a uh, calendar uh, where you can look at a date and a time that's convenient for you. And we're more than happy to meet either by phone uh, or uh, virtually, whatever's most convenient for you. Uh, and doing that really gives you the opportunity to have an hour set aside with an advisor uh, so that we can discuss the particulars of your Medicare strategy and timing and the rest because, uh, again, we don't charge anything. We just want to make sure uh, that you are finding the right plan at the right time with the right fit. Alternately, you can always uh, call the 800 number at 866-606-8093, 866-606-8093. 
1-800-273-8893 and set up an appointment. Uh, and the reason we ask you to do that is we want to have time set aside for you. Often if we're uh, uh, available, we may be able to chat in between appointments. But if you call and set up an appointment, we've got the time set aside directly for you. We can do some research for you uh, and make sure that uh, we've got everything that you need uh, covered. And that way the time is set aside for you. And that'd be true of uh, your local advisors. Uh, and always look for someone uh, that is going to be local to you if you want to do that, uh, if you want to visit with them uh, in person, uh, that uh, you're finding someone who is uh, certified uh, and able to represent Advantage plans as well as Medigap plans. Uh, some advisors uh, don't take the time to do an annual certification that's required that we have to uh, and then be appointed and certified with each individual insurance company on an annual basis. So all they have available for you are Medigap plans, which don't require that. So be aware of that uh, when you're talking with someone that they have access to at least a, a good selection of those uh, carriers advantage plans that are available in your area. So with that, I'd love to open it up for any questions and uh, I'd be happy to answer uh, something that uh, has come to mind. Thank you, Eric. Um, that was just fabulous. You kind of answered all the questions that I might have had almost. Oh. <laughs> so, so yeah, so let's check with Sheila and see if we've got some raised hands. We do. Renee. Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon. Yes, my name is Renee Zellickson. As a recently uh, retired Social Security benefits um, or claims representative, uh, processing claims, I want to compliment you on your accuracy of Medicare. I would like to point out <clears throat> for those people self-employed with, uh, with under 22 employers, yes, indeed, you will, will, will be charged a penalty if you don't enroll at your 65th birthday. And for those people that are going to enroll late in Medicare Part B um, at, after their age 65, while they're still working, or even after they're still working with that eight month window, there are two forms. You can't just call and say, okay, I've stopped working. I want to enroll in Medicare Part B. There are two forms that are needed. I have the forms. I also can help with the IRMA, spelled I-R-M-A-A, -A, that, um, the speaker very accurately explained regarding the cost of Medicare Part B, and it only doesn't include income from 2021. It can include in inheritance tax, if you sold a business, you sold a house and had capital gains, all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> so I just wanted to briefly in touch uh, with that. And if anybody wants to contact me, they can contact the Minnesota office and they can give my email address. And um, with that, the only question I really have on your website is that is that capitalized um, Medicare, you know, the Medicare help um, or is it all lowercase? Oh, no. I, thanks, Renee. Good, good points, by the way. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. And that is something, folks. Yeah, it's one of those you never know how far to go. Uh, down the rabbit hole, there are, yes, there's forms that you need to show uh, that you've had that uh, group coverage in place if you're enrolling past age 65, definitely, as Renee's mentioned. And uh, if you can contact her, we, ha we have those two uh, and happy to provide those. But that's a great resource you have uh, with Renee and uh, being able to get those uh, if you're enrolling past age 65. But yes, to answer your question, it is all lowercase medicarehelpnow.com. And then the slash MME for Medicare Made Easy 
dash meetings. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Renee. Good, good, uh, good follow up. Yeah, it's it's tough to, as you well know, the the further you go down one path, there it leads to more questions and more uh, more requirements. So that really is where that uh, uh, you know having someone in your corner that's uh, neck deep in this uh, crazy maze of Medicare uh, can be a real benefit uh, because it's oftentimes just like anything else in life, right? It's uh, what you uh, don't know at the time that uh, you wish you would have known, and now it's too late. Uh, so we want to be that uh, buffer for you. All right, next is Martha. Thank you. Thank you for your presentation, very informative. My question is, if a person has uh, Medicare as primary insurance and Medicaid as secondary, I know it's a state program, uh, there is no need to choose a plan. You could keep your original straight Medicare, uh, would that be correct? And the other question is, if you happen to know it about a QMB plus or QMB program, or I don't know, it has to do with a Medicare premium. Or yeah, thanks, Martha. Those those are uh, the QMB QMB plus plans, uh, and the uh, others uh, are part of the Medicare savings plan programs. That based on income, you may qualify for. Uh, different levels of support, and those are in coordination uh, with the states. And when you're on certain levels uh, of uh, coverage there, like a QMB, QMB plus, oftentimes you have what's uh, available to you is a dual uh, eligible plan. And that's because you're both eligible for Medicare and Medicaid. And uh, there are advantage plans that are called dual eligible plans. And they work uh, to coordinate those benefits uh, for you. Uh, not that you don't have them just with original Medicare and Medicaid, but you're going to get some additional benefits because of the uh, networks of doctors and some of those things that are often uh, offered just through the Advantage plans, uh, like uh, bolstered dental coverage and a variety of other things. Oftentimes, uh, depending on the level of the plan and the particulars, uh, those cost shares can be very, very low or uh, perhaps zero for most, uh, if not all, those things, depending on the local plan. So uh, being dual eligible, someone who has Medicare and Medicaid, that's something that we always want to uh, find out. And you should always ask your individual advisor. Uh, and that's what we would want to do as well. If you qualify for uh, both Medicare and Medicaid, find out what that level is. Uh, there are a variety of different levels, uh, SMB, uh, QMB, QMB plus, uh, whether or not you have full or partial Medicaid coverage, and then depending on uh, what's available to you, uh, looking at uh, perhaps an Advantage plan that's specifically designed for dual eligible people that may give you some additional uh, benefits and maybe easier access to some specific uh, providers. For instance, we have a, a large medical system here locally that has partnered with uh, some insurance company to provide clinics where just uh, folks who have that dual eligibility status can see, and they can go for longer uh, patient appointments. Uh, they have uh, broader access to people who are uh, specifically attuned to uh, chronic and perhaps more complicated medical needs. So that's something to take into account, but a good, good question. Thanks. All right, Dan. Um, 
One thing I wanted to know, I'm currently paying a penalty every month because for a while I didn't have a Part D plan. I had my wife's employer's plan, but Medicare doesn't seem to want to hear it. But what my question is, I was told when I turned 65 that that penalty would no longer apply. I was told that by a coworker, not by Medicare. Is that true? Uh, so you were eligible for Medicare prior to age 65. Is that right, Nan? Yes, I'm, I'm totally blind. I'm disabled. Okay, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that should be the case in general, but you're saying that uh, penalty has continued uh, past uh, age 65? No, no, I haven't reached okay. 65 yet. Okay, all right. No, the, that should be the case. Uh, and uh, then you will also have a new uh, initial enrollment period because upon age 65, you're uh, still eligible for those same opportunities that I mentioned earlier, that six-month period to uh, enroll without regard to uh, medical uh, history through that guaranteed issue period for a Medigap plan. Uh, you have that same enrollment opportunities as anyone would at age 65. So that that should be the case. Uh, you know, there, there may be a, a situation where that doesn't apply, but in general, my experience is that should be the case. That, uh, that uh, penalty should not continue past uh, age 65, but there, there might be uh, extenuating circumstances where it would, but I don't know of that. Anisio. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Eric. Um, good information. I hope this is appropriate. I have... Um, I, I am on Medicare. I, I use a, a Medicare yeah, I Advantage that. Advantage program, and um, I I also pay a ten dollars and fifty cents, I believe, uh, monthly payment because according to them, I now understand there was a gap be, uh, during I don't know several months where, according to them, I did not have. Um, um, drug coverage which is mm -hmm. not correct but my question is i've been paying this for the last two and a half years is that a time limit during which i can contest this or did i miss that possible um time sure sure thanks anisha but, appreciate it I, are in are you uh over age 65 now Yes. Yeah. And okay. I, and there was never any gap. I mean, I worked, I retired in the month after I had the uh, Medicare. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's unusual. There must've been maybe a, a, uh, and perhaps Renee would know as well. There may have been just a, uh, a gap in that uh, records were showing that uh, coverage uh, for the employer, or perhaps uh, if the employer didn't have a creditable drug coverage, which isn't, typically the case, uh, but uh, it's definitely something worth uh, contacting Social Security if you can to uh, see if there's a way to make sure that those uh, benefits through your employer were uh, correctly uh, credited to you. And if that was creditable drug coverage through the employer uh, and there really wasn't anything longer, there was no 63-day gap uh, or, or longer than in that coverage, which it sounds like if you were enrolling right after your group coverage ended, there shouldn't be uh, a late enrollment penalty as long as the coverage was creditable. So they, they told me that I had, to, uh, I contacted Social Security and they told me to go to Medicare and I contacted Medicare and they told me I had to go through, I, had to go through, uh, I forget the name of the organization, but then they have since stopped doing that. The one in, uh, oh, I forgot the name of it. Um, but they had a contract with uh, 
Medicare for these issues. And then since then, they have changed to another organization. Hmm. Are you familiar with that? or I, You know, other than your local uh, state health insurance uh, benefits advisors, your your SHIBA, as they're also called, some, uh, some states. No, uh, uh, no you know what? I remember now. It was Maximus was the one before. Okay. And then, and then after Maximus, I think there was another one that, that took over for them. Yeah, there are uh, adjudicators uh, that do the processing of uh, appeals. Uh, and so through that, I don't know that may have changed with the end of uh, COVID through the uh, public health emergency mm-hmm. uh, change. I, I believe there are some differences there in the way those uh, those appeals are administered. But it's definitely something we're trying to contact them again to see if we can find out whoever the current uh, administrator is as okay. far as getting that appeal done, because if you haven't had uh, a break of 63 days or longer, as long as it's less than that uh, from time of creditable coverage to when your uh, Medicare Part D plan or your Advantage plan with drug coverage mm-hmm. begins, you shouldn't have a late enrollment penalty. Yeah, because it, it adds up. It's not much, but yeah. it adds up. It's, it's a little bit, but it begins to add up quickly yes. and it's assessed every month. So Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, Ted. I'm actually uh, just just for background ground purposes. I'm totally blind. I'm 60. I've been on Medicare um, since the early 2000s, though I was employed before that. Okay. Um, one question that has that has been raised and actually occurred a little bit with my mom, um, who's who passed away last year, but it was one that uh, I've seen. I've heard notes about in political circles, which is that apparently under some of the ma- some of the managed care plans now, um, if you require cert- hospitalization or certain drugs, they will re- they will reject the they will reject the drug coverage saying they saying that you do not need it. Uh, what options do you have at that point to make any appeals? Yeah, good question, Ted. You do always have that option to appeal and you can get expedited appeals, but you have the opportunity uh, through uh, the insurance provider. If you're on an advantage plan to uh, make that appeal, you always have that opportunity through Medicare as well for uh, instance, uh, getting approval for uh, specific uh, medical procedures. If they're appropriate and covered by Medicare, uh, then they should be covered and you should not uh, be getting uh, denial of care if it's appropriate and uh, necessary medical care. Uh, so that's certainly something that you can uh, get uh, uh, an appeal and you can have expedited appeals depending on the urgency of the medical need. So that's something you can certainly do uh, directly through uh, the insurance provider. And because of recent legislation, as well as the uh, impetus by Medicare uh, to get feedback from beneficiaries like yourself uh, from the plans, and those plans are rated based on feedback that they get from beneficiaries, they're very uh, sensitive to that. And that, uh, you know, that uh, opportunity is listened to 
uh, with a lot more alacrity than it may have been in the past. So that's something that's definitely worth doing because uh, the plans have to take that seriously because uh, the way that they're uh, compensated through Medicare and the way the system works, uh, Medicare has made that a higher priority. So it's definitely worth uh, doing if you're having specific issues uh, to appeal that through the plan and the plan process. Each plan has an opportunity to do that uh, and make sure that you get the coverage you need. All right, Veronica. Hi, my question is about how Medicare works in some ways with with Part D plans. Um, because I'm finding, for instance, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of confusion about insulin pumps and who's on Part D and who's on Part B, because mine is technically called an insulin delivery device. And I'm just wondering if when people look at a plan, is there a way to learn about this stuff without having to actually dive into the Medicare regulations and all their, you know, it was like a week of of stuff. Because if you have a pump that's actually a Part D, are your test strips under B or D? And my pharmacist certainly doesn't know. And I'm just finding I'm starting to have to do more and more work. And is there something about choosing a plan or something that would make that not have to happen yeah it would be nice if it was uh, more straightforward uh, yeah. wouldn't it uh, yeah it definitely can be involved uh, and that's something honestly i don't have a there's no easy uh, one uh, one solution fits uh, everything to make that simple uh, because the plans are going to vary on what they cover uh, the uh, test strips are typically covered uh, and lancets are typically covered under uh, Part D. Uh, the continuous glucose monitors are often covered under Part B. So there is that 20% uh, responsibility for that cost, but it's going to be at that lower Medicare rate. Uh, so, and then depending on which one you're using, uh, you know, some of the uh, more popular ones uh, are going to be covered. Uh, if it's older, uh, you may have the opportunity to update uh, your uh, uh, continuous glucose monitor. Uh, but yeah, there is no, unfortunately, easy answer for that because it depends on what's available uh, in your local area. And some of the companies will cover one brand, some will cover the other. Uh, but in general, they should all cover those supplies uh, and uh, be able to get you access to something that's at least going to be workable for your situation. Melissa, you're next. My question is, I recently moved last year from one state to another and following up on what you were talking about earlier about zip codes and coverage plans. When I moved, nobody told me that in my new state, my Medicare supplement premium would go up by a factor of four. And the only way I found out about that was when I got the bill and I tried to call and pay. They said, oh, by the way, you owe us X amount of dollars, which was astronomical. And I subsequently switched to a Medicare Advantage plan as well. But what are the requirements or how can that happen? Uh, is it like the buyer beware you move and nobody tells you that your premium is going up by a substantial amount? I'm wondering how that's supposed to work. 
Yeah, the Advantage plan or the uh, Medicare supplement plans uh, typically uh, are going to be available across the country. Some plans are only available within certain states, and uh, your plan should tell you that if you're enrolling in one of those. Uh, they're not portable, as they call it. If they are portable, uh, meaning they're uh, able to use across uh, the country or in a new area, yeah, those can be uh, more expensive. The, the Medigap plans, the supplements uh, can also also increase uh, year by year in their individual costs. They have to apply for those, but yeah, it can certainly add up and be unexpectedly high, uh, which is where, uh, you know, that moving to that Advantage plan during annual enrollment is an opportunity to save some money too. All right, Darian. I'm from Oregon and I am working, so I was able to enroll in the Employed Persons with Disabilities program, which then made me dual covered. So then I was able to be on the Providence Dual Plus plan mm. and Medicaid. And so I was looking for therapists and I thought I would have better choices by going through my Dual Plus plan and finding a behavioral provider and then um, I disclosed that I also have Medicaid um, or HealthShare Oregon, I guess. And um, they told me they couldn't see me because they aren't allowed to charge me co-pays. So I want to know if that is true and um, if I'm now limited to only using providers who are on the um, OHP provider list. <laughs> You would want to use those providers that are in network for sure, uh, because uh, yeah, as someone who is uh, dual eligible, that yeah, that uh, that provider uh, that you'd mentioned earlier is not going to be able to uh, charge you any kind of cost share. So if they're not uh, taking that Medicare payment uh, in full, or they're not in uh, network where they're trying to accept that, they can't charge uh, any additional. Uh, beyond what Medicare uh, is uh, reimbursing. And so, especially for behavioral health, many uh, providers, uh, the numbers are very, very small nationally. There's just fewer of them, uh, and many are just uh, taking uh, either cash payment or the numbers in those networks are diminishing, and it's becoming increasingly difficult as you're finding to get providers uh, that are in network, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely becoming more of a problem. All right, you've got one more hand, Janine. Hi there, uh, my name is Janine and I wanna say thank you so much. This was so, so, so informative. Uh, yeah, you, you answered a lot of things. So um, to get dental and vision, if you're on Medicare, you, you need an, a, um, a part C. And do you know how much additionally that usually is or is that dependent on your income and yeah, some, yeah, because I, I didn't know that Medicare didn't cover my uh, yearly eye exams. I've been putting that off. And, you know, with being uh, visually impaired, you kind of need to keep proving it everywhere. It's not like my eyesight's coming right. back. They haven't found a <laughs> cure for my dead optic nerves. I really would like that. But, you know, the, my eyesight's not going to come back. So I don't know why I have to keep proving it. But apparently you do for certain things so what's the best way to get dental and 
Envision. Yeah, so dental and vision coverage, that routine dental and vision uh, is going to be through that Advantage plan. Original Medicare, as we mentioned earlier, doesn't cover that. Uh, so uh, getting that through an Advantage plan that's available to you in your area, and then it's dependent on what you have access to individually, depending on your residence uh, and county of residence, the number of plans and the specifics, typical plans, and it may vary obviously depending on where you're at, but typically uh, those plans may have a uh, coverage for preventive dental, maybe two cleanings, exams, and x-rays per year, uh, or uh, some of the newer uh, ways plans are doing that is setting aside a bucket of money uh, just for dental. And rather than saying preventive dental, and adding extra money to get more comprehensive services on a monthly uh, fee uh, and then using in-network doctors, they're saying, here's a bucket of money set aside specifically for dental. Uh, here's what we're going to pay through the course of the year. Use it any way you'd like uh, and just apply it to uh, cleanings if you need it or more comprehensive services like uh, crowns, uh, fillings, uh, implants, that kind of thing, depending on the plan specifics. So that's kind of the way we've seen things moving here in the last couple of years. And I think hopefully that'll be going forward in the future, but it does depend on the plan that's available or those plans available in your area. Uh, and that's where you'd want to uh, kind of get that review done for the, the best fit for you and your needs. We're out. Well, I just want to thank Eric so much. It's been so, so informative. And um, I think we do have a closing um, CE code. You do. It's 49491. One more time. 49491. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you everyone for attending. I think we're out of time. So we'll close for today.